0: all right welcome to raise the bar the sky high and fly jump camps podcast my name is troy haynes i'm your host and i'm here today with a young man from norway is that right abraham yes Gold. indeed uh were yeah. you born and raised in, in norway abraham yeah that's correct awesome yeah. so um abraham is a, a decathlete uh he's currently are you, you're still under 20 is that right under 20 yes junior he's he's a He's junior over there, over here, that would be uh, college age, I guess, but we're still learning uh, about, I'm finally getting to peek behind the curtain at people in other countries and find out what goes on over there. I've been seeing these under 18, under 20s for a while. So I I know I get the age part. Um, and then, um, so Abraham is a decathlete and I was just, uh, I haven't gotten to, to my lead yet. yet. I, I saw him first on a feed, I'm sure it was his where he jumped 6'8 at a competition and had the most outrageously awesome knee drive I think I've ever seen over a jump of, of significant height. Uh, it, it, uh, his knee cap itself had to be up at about 7'8 or higher. And uh, I, I remember in the uh, comments, somebody said, his knee drive looks kind of weird, you know, and like I have made it a rule, unless it's something positive. That I don't usually get involved with people that say things that I either consider rude or you know uninformed or whatever. And I remember I just couldn't help myself and I typed in, "Are you insane? That's that knee drive is good for like seven, eight, <laughs> like you know." What you <laughs> so that that puts you on my radar, and uh he oh, nice. was uh, gracious enough to let me do a post, I believe. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Got a lot of likes, I remember that. And then we've kind of kept in touch as far as uh, you know, I've been following his feed and seeing what his results have been and had the great idea of doing my first uh, podcast here on Raise the Bar uh, across countries. So this is first all time Raise the Bar where we are going live to Norway. So Abraham, how the heck are you? You told me you were injured for a while. How are you? Yeah, that's correct. I've been injured for three and a half months now,
1: but it's uh, it's going well, it's going well. It's progressing. I'm doing better for each day. So super positive. I will I will actually be competing in one month in Finland, uh, a competition called Nordic. Uh, so for those of you guys that know geography, it's like Norway, Sweden, Finland, Iceland have like a big competition okay. and it's in the competition. So there will be my chance to qualify for under 20 world championships in colombia calling
0: oh that's right i remember you, you telling me about that so yeah colombia that's that's uh the big meat okay so yeah you've got that coming up now what what is this injury that you're battling to overcome
1: well i got the injury from i had a very good season last year uh so i progressed a lot a lot um let me just like i progressed a lot in pole vault progressed a lot in high jump long jump uh so when I was training, my I did stuff to my body, which had grown a lot, and my body wasn't kind of following it. Right. So I got a stretch factor in my back at L four, um, grade two, uh, quite uh, felt quite random because I didn't have any of the symptoms, which I got early in December. I got the diagnosis in the twenty second of January, and yeah, just came out of training or just came out with injury now. Rehab. So
0: we call that rehab over here. So injury yeah rehab. Yeah. That's correct. So like
1: I had a high jump session on uh, Thursday, I believe, and that was like I jumped like uh oh yeah, you probably don't know, but like 190 from four steps. And that was pretty big for me because I've been out of shape and training.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I am I am catching up on my metric. I I've Yeah that's good. um, Yeah yeah horribly underprepared uh, when we when I was in high school over here you know as teenagers yeah uh, everything was feet and inches so you know was six feet yeah right feet was the first barrier that we came upon the so-called barriers which I know don't exist with you guys I don't know what the big numbers are over there I don't know if they're just everybody knows their regional records and world records and all that kind of stuff yeah right six feet 7 feet is a big thing over here. It probably doesn't yeah. much over there, but you know. The only thing
1: I know about the, you know, feet and inches is like, yeah, uh, things I've seen on TikTok, you know, have have to be like 6 feet tall and stuff like that. Right. Nothing, nothing else. It's so weird so,
0: our our cultures are separated by that and it's mm. I'm always confused because, you know, they try over here in the United States yeah. to okay to do the metric when you're at the meets now so at the high school you know parents usually are running the events or maybe in a coach and and nobody's been taught any kind of protocol so they just go feet and inches Uh, but when you get to big meets uh especially mm. at the college level that was my first experience when I was at UCLA they started metric so they're like okay we're Mm. going to two meters and I'm like okay what's two meters and they're like that's six six quarters So I'm like, okay, six and three quarters. I knew what that was, but two meters meant nothing to me. So it was like, Mm. and eventually it's kind of caught on, but it it really took a while because I remember the first time I jumped seven feet, I'm not exactly sure what it was because they didn't tell us. It was like, oh, really? So it could have been 213. It could have been 214. It could have been 215. Yeah. I knew. Right. So any of those would work. And it's like, okay, well, which One was it, but it didn't really matter. Mm. If it was seven feet, but yeah, right. Um, but still, um, I look back at meat results after the fact, and it it turns out sometimes it was either more or less than I thought it was. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, a small matter, so, yeah, that's a that's yeah. small matter, but it's
1: uh, it's quite a barrier. I like when I see posts on Instagram from the U.S., because yeah, U.S. is a big track nation, yeah, Would love to be there. Uh, it's a uh, Quite annoying because you have to like search up like what is one inch and what is one feet and you know <laughs> especially
0: like javelin and stuff. That's
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. They add up fast too, right? So that's that's what's really confusing for us. I think is is I say us probably most likely me. But when I'm a, you know I coach all the jumps, so when someone comes up and they go, oh, I, I go, would you jump? And they go, oh, I I went twelve twelve seventy four, and I'm like, mm. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah, there's no yeah. translation immediately in my head. I mean, I've, I'm like, okay, 12 meters is okay. That's three feet per 12, so that's at least 36. And I'm like, yeah. I start trying to calculate in my head. So I just, yeah, yeah. I have a couple conversion apps that I use all the time. I'm like, yeah, Okay, smart. so that was 39.4. Good. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, some of the distances get kind of daunting. Uh, they, I saw a post yesterday um somebody threw the jab 97 meters yeah they? is that a world record on uh, no, and i think it that?
1: was in a uh, diamond league right in doha yes and it was uh, the fifth uh, longest throw and it was the thirdest of the non-european throwers. It was okay. pretty
0: massive so it was a big throw yeah and i, I knew yeah. as, as it was close to 100 i'm like well that's like 300 plus you know big time maybe three yeah. or something like that so um, I know that they haven't thrown the new jabs as far. Uh, this will tell you how old I am, Abraham. When I was at UCLA, it was 1982 was my freshman year, yeah. or 1983. So the jab was being thrown, Uh the world record at that time was 330 feet. Uh, yeah, over 100 meters. Yeah, with the old, you know, yeah, handle. They had to change it, right? They had to change it because people were <laughs> people were going to get skewered so they yeah. decided they didn't want to kill anybody and they they put the handle what farther up farther back yeah i think Again. so so at like, least
1: make it make the javelin and not go as
0: far right right because if it was like this and you caught the yeah. wind they would just go yeah so mm. that was back then it was the i don't know what the throwing technique is now but back then it was keep the nose up you know and yeah and have it do that thing they try to yeah. do disc right so yeah right so anyway, all right, well, um, so the the main thing that I wanted to get to was, um, number one, how did, you, you said you started off as a, a high jumper and long jumper, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, Our, for,
2: for, yeah,
1: first I started off when I was about 10 years old doing like 60 meters. That's, yeah, very common in Norway. Uh, became like, had the fastest time of the 10 year olds in Norway, so that kind okay. of lead me into track. Before that, I did football. or soccer um in karate and many i was very active as a kid and then i started doing then i had a jump coach from from great britain actually who lives in oslo and started training me and my buddy uh long jumping and high jumping we became very good at it um could be i like my first national championship was when i was 16 and i got like a bronze medal i was super good with the one uh 204, 204 jump, I think you recognized. Right. Um, so the thing was that I had a very good relationship with with my coach. So high jump was hard jump belongs was more than just the jumping, you know. One thing is just come to training and yeah, do right. thing, but high jump is like still now, even though I don't have the same coach because yeah, I've it gotten better and yeah, other levels and stuff. But still the high jump is still one of my favorite events.
2: Right.
1: Uh with with long jump as well
0: so do they um now that you're at this level do you get i i wonder how coaching works you know where you are because here we yeah i can tell you go ahead yeah i can tell you about it because
1: yeah in norway we have a a bit another system than in the us you have like the schools it's just for academic stuff and then we have clubs on the side as well so the clubs are connected to the area you live in obviously and but they're completely separated from the school. Right. Um, so when I was younger, I was like a, in a child club for only uh, boys and girls up to like thirteen years old. Right. Then I moved over to another club, which is arguably the Norwegian's best and oldest club. It was founded in eighteen ninety. Wow! It was like had many good athletes, a silver medalist in uh, um, in uh, Tokyo. Is the one is in there yeah very many good athletes and started a good group with the Catholics as well, so now we're like three three young athletes that are like born in 2001 2002 and 2003 that are trying to yeah Mm -hmm. beat each other's uh, age
0: record. And so the coach the coach for the club is your guys coach now do they have any like national coaches if you if you get up to a yeah. level where you are the elite you know in the say the top yeah. five or three or something like that did they all of a sudden say hey here's new coaches for you we want you to get even better coaches like how does that work
1: yeah um the thing is that uh since i changed i kind of i have a uh it's like a they the two clubs that are kind of are connected so when you get to a certain age, you go to another club. Mm-hmm. Um, So that happened very naturally, actually. But since I'm a Catholic, I can't only have one coach, you know, it's 10 yeah. events to coach. So yeah. I have like a pole coach, a long jump coach, a viscous coach. Uh, yeah, many different coaches. Um, we're, And I'm very privileged to have such a good team around me.
0: Right, right. That's awesome. So do you ever find that it's difficult to deal with with so many different inputs? Like, is is there a cohesion amongst all the coaches, or do, is there like a little a little give and take? Uh, like- obviously, there's there's some friction, but that's very good. Uh,
1: like, I me as an athlete, I don't get that. It's uh, very rarely uh, seen, mm-hmm. so it's like very interned by the by the coaches. So if there is an issue, I won't get involved which is a good thing and so yeah but uh, about the like uh, clubs and national coaches there could be a bit of a friction because for example to go into international competitions you have to bring some coaches and obviously i want to bring my coach right but everyone can't bring their own coach right so obviously that's going to be be a subject of, of topic
0: right okay yeah it's uh It is so different. Like you're saying over here, you know, whoever Hmm. was, my high school coach was a football coach, like American football. Oh, really? Big shot putter discus guy, huge. Yeah. uh, Mr. Stud because his name was Hallstead, We called him Uh, was Just, you you know, he trained us more than he did anything else. And then, um, you know, so then I went away to college and it was just so different, you know, for two years, we didn't even have a coach at UCLA. And I was trained by two older jumpers. Uh, and then when they graduated, uh, they hired a coach. And then I have sought, you know, coaching on my own. Um, on the side, I coached myself a, a brief period, you know, so it's, it's different here, especially once you're out of college, I, I'm finding yeah. some interesting dynamics over here, because college you're kind of covered. And then you know, here in the US, when you're done with college, like I I didn't realize I had a training room at UCLA, I had guys in the weight room. And when you leave, it's like, you don't have that anymore. You got to find a place to train, you know, you're on your own kind of, and uh, that can be a little bit daunting. If there's nobody really to show you the way to go, you kind of find out I was one of those people, I'm just not really that bright, I guess, but I would just kind of like blunder around and, you know, find my way out of around eventually. obviously that's yeah not ask enough questions yeah. i guess but um now having been on the outside of it you know from the coaching angle for a while it's still interesting mm-hmm. to see how it goes here and in it, the the other thing i wanted to talk to you about was the the um the difference between uh track and field here in the us like you said we're a great track and field nation but i keep thinking yeah we're Crazy. a great nation because we have so many people that we've yeah, got they the could track say but it's not in the U.S., track and fields really—and this may offend some people that are listening to the podcast—but I don't think track and field is as big a deal here in the U.S. as it is in other places. I mean, it's way down the list over yeah. here: football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, volleyball, bass go down the it's list. Soccer is more popular. Oh yeah, soccer is hugely oh, really? more popular here in the U.S. Um, Crazy. Now, other people would argue, well, we still have plenty of, of youth, you know, involvement, and we've got all the high schools in the nation to have track and field and, and all that. But, you know, really, I mean, if you can't see it on TV, it's not that big of a deal, you know. And over here, yeah. you're fighting for TV time with with these major sports mm. you know? yeah, right. rules. Rules over here, I mean, they've got a multi-billion-dollar TV contract yeah. that yeah, all we've seen that, and that's just pro football. College football's huge in the u.s mm-hmm. and even high school football has its its you know proponents here and there and, and in some places like texas i'm sure they they have games on tv you know we have some yeah. of that here even in california you know the game of the week or you know some of the richer schools might have their own networks or it's just crazy but yeah track mm-hmm. and field is is not so big over here so explain to us what it's like over there for you guys where's track and field on the list of the popular sports i would say it's not very
1: popular, to be honest. And sports in general, it's mostly done for fun. It's like you don't get a, you get like scholarship in the states for being good in, uh, in sports, but you don't like get that at all. You can get like academic, ad- um, academic or academic, um, rewards for being good, yeah. but it's not like the sports time way. It's just for fun. So that's, yeah, puts, being a good athlete is quite different than being a good athlete in these states
2: really?
1: and yeah. obviously yeah. Uh, soccer is very popular in norway but we are a winter nation you know skiing alpine yeah. snowboarding stuff like that are so much popular because we get more medals right. in the winter olympics
2: right
1: so the thing for uh, summer olympians or good track athletes in norway uh, is to get like the view shifted from the winter sport nation Norway to a more summer sport nation Norway because we do get a lot of medals compared to our size of nation right. or how many people we are right so we are doing well but we're not getting as many medals as for example yeah United States Italy, those countries
0: yeah especially in the in the um like you said in the, in the winter sports I'm sure Norway's mm-hmm. medal count is probably bigger I mean, the u.s i remember when i was a kid and winter olympics were up uh women's figure skating used to be an american event you know especially yeah. the singles The singles with the women for the longest time pairs was usually the russians um mm. the men's sing figure skaters were up and down in and out lots of golds lots of you know very competitive um that has started to shift but i remember when they first were doing like ski jumping like Americans yeah, didn't, well. didn't exist it was like there were there was only a few places number one in the states where that was even thought of and mm-hmm. you know the you know these other countries just had a huge hold on that kind of stuff I remember the, yeah. the first time we were doing the bobsled or whatever you would see oh yeah you're yeah. like okay good let's see this event because it's cool to watch and then you're looking at it and you're like where are the Americans you know and they go okay and in 37th <laughs> place <laughs> and you're like, God, we're like five seconds behind everybody else. And these things are moving really yeah. fast. So you're like, God, we're terrible. You know, <laughs> like but, you know, nobody nobody trained for it. So now they've yeah, like, right. gotten more of a push for that. They they even, uh, uh, I think Willie Galt was the first of the American uh, football players who was a sprinter in college that decided he wanted to push the sled so that yeah. they could get it going fast enough. You know, so then there were, there were some uh, sprinters slash football players that you know um decided to to go over to the other side just because they say hey, yeah somebody to get the sled moving you know so it's it's changed but uh yeah winter and summer um you guys uh, i'm thinking back now you just said you're in a competition where there's the four countries between norway yeah sweden what were the other ones um Finland. Finland. Iceland and Denmark. I forgot about that. Denmark. One. So you got those yeah. squad, right. So
1: those are that's pretty much the Nordic. Is that what Yeah, that's the Nordic. That's kind of the biggest in
2: our area.
0: That's the biggest in your area. So in and out of that group in the high jump, Sweden is been mm. well represented with Yeah, that's true. Job and Holm both. Um and then so what are some of the other big names uh in high jump over there since you're such a high jump fan? Mm. Yeah.
1: The thing is that in the high jump in, there's so like I think it's a generation shift, cause there are more people my age that are getting high jump that hasn't been able to jump like, well now I'm just throwing out numbers, but yeah, 30 ish, right? Because of they're more like two years older than me, I'm nineteen or one year younger than me, so it's like a new generation shift where they're more up and coming. So right. i wouldn't say there are so many good now but stefan's home son is which i've competed against is arguably one of the best right now okay. would i say if you think about his age right because i think he's jumped like yeah 217 and when he's yeah 16 or 17 that's
2: right
0: right yeah that's good okay so then what is it about the um we were talking about that before now i saw your, your ranking at one point were you, number one i thought i read read something that you were yeah in, under 19.
1: yeah that's correct i did uh did the cathode in the under 20s uh european championship and uh, yeah i was ranked the uh, number one in my age group so that would be like under 20 those are under 19. so 19 and 18 is the year that will be competing this year yeah. in the college so i was ranked the best going into this year which is a good, good thing.
0: Right. So does that involve, uh, college for you and all that? I'm still confused. You, you've got these clubs that aren't associated with schools and then. Yeah. Right. Like, do they pay for you to train? Like, how does that work? Well, I'm, I'm
1: quite lucky cause I have a, a good team around. I get some, some money from my club, some from my region where I live to, to continue doing sports and play I was in Portugal for two weeks. Didn't have to pay. And myself just uh, got like sponsored, you could say. Right. Um. So that's how that works. Um. But you also could get like brand deals, sure. stuff like that. But it's mostly like clubs, and yeah, support from your area.
0: Right. So if any of the big names come knocking on your door, and you're you're the number one. Decathlete, because within a few years here, you're going to be talking about Olympic games and stuff like that, right? So uh, you would think maybe well, Nike or somebody or Puma or somebody's going to come by and say, "Hey, look at this this kid; he's kicking butt. Let's sign him up."
1: Yeah, I think that's a I think that I'm always wanting to be a like a, it's cool to be sponsored by one of the big big brands out there, right? Uh, but I want to be Feel like I deserve to be sponsored. I don't feel like I can just take a sponsorship because it. It's given to me. I feel like if I take a sponsorship, I have to feel I can give something to the sponsors, and the sponsor can get something from me. Right. Because uh, I want to feel like honored to get a sponsorship. Right. So I feel like uh, that's something I'm obviously uh, thinking about now. This is where I'm mm-hmm. the oldest. I can perform my best as a junior, in my perspective, and I've just come out of in- out of injury, so I'm very ready for competition and prove myself.
0: Um, so you, you have this one coming up and that is a qualifier. Now the Nordic one is a yeah. qualifier for the worlds. Is that how that works? The thing is that I took the world qualifying last year, but, um, the
1: federation want you to show form. So I have to do it again this year, right. uh, which is a bit inconvenient since I've been injured, right. but, uh, <laughs> you have to no pressure. right? But it, it, <laughs> yeah. But either way I have to show. Yeah, I had to show that I'm good enough to be in the team and good enough to take some take some
0: yeah Right. Medals. So what are what are your goals as far as uh, point totals and maybe some of the performances? I know you. It's easy to say you want a PR, you know, get your yeah right all the way across. But looking at the numbers and everything, and knowing where you're stronger and which events and all that, like how many points do you think you can improve in the decathlon? the next couple of years and then what's it gonna to take to go to the Olympics, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, right. I think I have to improve a lot, but I also know that I'm in a group and in a position where I can improve a lot. Mm-hmm. I have a very good training partner and groups, which I think two weeks ago set a new national record in the So mm-hmm. I know that my the training I'm doing is very well and it's working, which is not always the case. Sometimes it might be like you're training too much, training too little. Right. Uh, so I feel very good, like taken care of, which is a good thing. And um, the thing is that it's always some championship records that are very tasty in a decathlon, like 212 in, or I'm trying out numbers again, but 212 in the high jump and
2: right.
0: five meter in the pole vault is, um, is two records that are very, very tasteful. <laughs> yeah. You think you can, those are, um, the decathlon records for those, right. For your age group. And that's going under 20 yeah new 12 is like what six eleven or something like that for us so just under seven feet and then five meter i don't even know like five meters is it again 17 or 17 in the football something like that yeah yeah 16 feet yeah so are these um you, you said you enjoyed the the high jump and the long jump but um that's correct you're looking so we know those are your favorites what are the events that you feel that you are weakest for you or that you're having to work the hardest to improve in?
1: Well, I started doing long jump one, or decathlon with, or doing, going all in for like uh, in 2021 season,
2: Mm
1: in the 2021 season. Um, So I feel like I just lack training, to be honest. Right. Um, Having decathlon is not something you kind of specifically or specifically go for. It's like something you try and then you just push on with it. Right. Uh, so I've done the catholics, no, uh, the cathons that are, are not gone so well. But uh the thing with the cathon is that you have it takes time to be good because you can do one PR, you can do two PRs, but getting getting 10 PR, for instance, or doing well just around PRs uh is, uh, is very difficult to do in one championship or yeah. one yeah. competition.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've had a little bit of experience just this last season um working with some of the heptathletes and decathletes mm. at the college that I'm coaching at. So, you know, I would be like one of your uh, event coaches, but we also have a, a coach who's the the multi-events coach where he's yeah, kind right. of a strategist and the you know we, we're laying out head the coach yeah. yeah, he's he's in charge of them. But then, you know, if he's not going to be there on a certain day, say, Hey, why don't you work with the high jumpers today? And, you know, we'll go over this. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I'm, I'm happy to work with anybody that wants to work with me. So take them over there. And then, you know, a lot of times, I don't know about, about you guys, but the, the heptathletes and decathletes that I have at Vanguard, like the very first day I met them, they came up and they said, okay, we've got 25 minutes from here to here, and we're going to come and do this. And then we're going to go right, right here, you know, and there's like, they had, they had their day Yeah, yeah. it was like mapped yeah. out, you know, they had high jump and then they had javelin, and they had sprint work and then it's like, okay. So like, so what are we doing? They're like, well, let's do some approaches. I'm like, well, okay, well you run it. Yeah. And you know, cause they were, they were like this, you know, yeah. like, what is your plan? They're like, kind of like, we have a plan. I'm like, all right, I'm all, I'm all on board with that. So you, you find your day is very uh, regimented like that all structured. Yeah. I don't think I've ever trained
1: one thing or one event uh at training it's always like two or three events like Mm -hmm. uh today i did pole vault and discus for instance or the day before that i did hurls and javelin so it's a lot of it's a lot of training to be done and so it's easy to feel like you've not been prepared enough before competition right that's at least what i feel now coming out of injury um but it's something with the competing and trying to find a find a rhythm of everything and make a schedule that isn't too full because you have to have some extra energy you know
0: sure yeah that's one of the one of the bugaboos we've talked about here on on uh raise the bar before and for those of you who may click in in the middle even though we're not a radio broadcast i'm talking with abraham Bogle saying the number one ranked under 19 decathlete in the world right and uh yeah he is currently getting ready to uh, return to competition after an injury to the nordic Championships. Uh, and he's using that. He doesn't really need it because he's already qualified, but they want to see that he's recovered and back in shape. Um, we're talking about uh, different training, and this has come up before where um, overtraining was something that I was always, um, you know, I found out about the hard way, you know, all the way through junior high and high school, I always had shin splints. Um, and then after my freshman year at UCLA, I got shown some exercises that that took care of it you know that strengthened up my tibialis anterior muscles and yeah basically my lower legs got strong enough to where i wasn't getting shin splints anymore but um I, they cost me you know at, at different times and state meet at the high school level my shins are killing me you know mm. it was two-day meet so the first night i took enough drugs where it didn't matter i took a bunch of aspirin and my legs were oh. you know i couldn't feel them and jumped great, and the next day we came back for the second day, and I literally couldn't take enough aspirin. You know, it was just it was horrible. And then my senior year at UCLA, I had uh, overtrained. You know, I was going for it. It was my last year at UCLA, and and I was training hard. Mm. and Everything was going well, and I don't yeah. remember there being a, a point where uh, I think it was almost like you were talking about with your stress fracture in your back. Like I, I felt pretty good. You know i was training mm. hard, but you know i was just going forward and i i did my icing and everything but all of a sudden man it was like i woke up one day to the next it was like all of a sudden both my knees were killing me and i went in they're like yeah you got patellar tendonitis in both knees you know we're doing oh. heavy plyometrics and you know mm. i just way too much you know and um it's easy to look back on it now so um obviously the what i was going to bring up with with your situation is i'm thinking, you know. Number 1 nobody ever asked me to do anything other than high jump <laughs> because that mm-hmm. was my only gig i wasn't very fast you know i maybe could have been a decent long jumper i started in long jump but it was like you know i just wasn't fast enough and you know maybe mm-hmm. a little pole vault but we had people that were better at that at UCLA yeah. they didn't need me so it was like you just you just go high jump do your thing so mm-hmm. you know i had to worry about overtraining just from one event so i'm wondering yeah. you know someone like yourself like you're saying you got to be real careful about uh resting and overtraining in that you know when something goes it can really go on you like as you found out with your back right and then yeah right you know you got energy for a big competition and then it's like i i was that's why my question was earlier too about your coaches like Mm -hmm. i think there's got to be some some pretty good interplay yeah communication uh, yeah yeah we can't overtrain these guys you know they're they're gonna break Mm. If we overtrain them, you know, even though you're young and you recover fast, it's like something's gonna snap, you know? Yeah.
1: The thing with uh, the capital, I think it's uh, you get very, you, you're becoming a very good athlete. Um, even though you might not get the big results, you will be training core, everything on your body. You train everything. Right. So I think you have a very good fundamental to take training. Or from foundation to tra- take training right um but it's as you're saying like when i get my stress fracture i was lacking sleep i was tired so the injury came felt like out of nowhere but it, looking back it was just waiting there
2: right um,
1: so it's uh, it's important then it's like now um even though i had the shot or a pole vault session today and I was like, okay, jumping on four steps. And my coach said to me, you can go on six steps. And I was like, are you sure? So I had to ask my head coach if it was okay to go on six steps, right. because I'm, you know, not being, not
0: because I don't trust my coaches, but you know, have to, right, have to just be sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, with six steps, you're carrying more speed, right? You know, yeah, right. More, more stress. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's I could see that being a, a minor headache, you know? Um, it'd be nice to to have a, a support team, like you're saying, that's completely got it mapped out where you don't have to think. But then, you yeah. know, I know, as an athlete, there's still those things that you want to have control of. And, and some say over also, I'm sure as you get more experienced and you know what your body feels like, and, you know, you know, the stresses that are being put on you. And, you know, I, I can only imagine with your, you know, lifting and and running, I'm like, First of all, you said you started out as a sprinter. And I, I was just hmm. I remember watching this last year at the Olympics. I loved the Olympics ever since I was a little kid. I yeah. The Olympics in 72. I was eight years old. And I was watching the Oh the, great Munich. And um, you know, Dwight Stones was in the high jump for the Americans, even though I didn't I didn't know and didn't see. And I think he got he got third when he was in high school. And um, but anyway that was that was track and field back then and i watched a lot of gymnastics and i, I just loved the whole thing i loved i didn't even care who won you know i was like there's all these different countries and you get to stand on the podium and they sing your song you know i was just like this is awesome yeah. and, uh, i just grew up loving that and then you know as it as i got older i got to watch the americans you know decathletes like bruce jenner and you know the, yeah. the americans used to dominate the decathlon oh brian yeah way like from 76 back it was almost always an American. And then, Mm. you know, Rayford Johnson, who was a UCLA great, um, Mm. won the decathlon in 60 in, in, um, is it Rome? Rome was 60 and Tokyo was 64. I can't, he won one or the other and, um, you know, just a, a great tradition and, you know, just so exciting to watch. And then I, you know, you start thinking about the training that goes in and the, speed that's what i was getting to the speed of it i was watching last year and the guy that won from canada right broke Mm, the he broke the 100 meter record for the decathlon yeah he had a really good day in the long jump and the pole vault and Mm. i I remember thinking i'm like well he broke the 100 record i go he's got to be fast and i go being fast fast is everything fast is you know long jump you know hurdles sprint pole vault you got to be fast you know javelin approach you know any anything involving speed and then i remember watching later and, and just to confirm that when i saw krauser you know throw the shot mm. yes. like six six i don't think i've ever seen anybody move as fast mm. as you know in the spin yeah and i'm just like going man these everything is speed now uh, everything yeah. is there's really you know i was talking with with someone last night about that i go you know the 800 meters used to be a technical like a tactical yeah. place where mm they would kind of jog the first lap and, you know, everybody mm. kind of feeling each other out. And then somebody would go for it and they'd all try yeah. to stay with them. And now yeah. they just run two fast laps. They run like yeah. 45 back to back, you know, 45 fucking yeah. courses. I'm like, that's crazy, but it's, yeah. it's so fast. Even the marathon, you know, the marathon mm. where they Run like they run four and a half minute miles all the way yeah. through for 20 miles. I'm like, yeah. that's crazy. but you know, that's speed, right. So speed is speed yeah. the king. And, uh, you know, you being a starting off as a sprinter, it's no wonder that, you know, they, that you ended up getting uh, pulled over towards the decathlon because all those all those events are, you know, benefited by, by great speed.
1: Yeah. Speed is obviously a main factor. I would consider myself more of a jumper. I have like the long jump, high jump and pole vault, which uh, are my greatest events. But still speed is very much key. I think the world leading long jump now is, is from a decathlete that are, that is very fast. So yeah, speed
0: is obviously key speaking you've got um we were talking about this before you didn't really allude to it i liked it you kind of slid by the question i said what were your weakest events and you didn't even yeah <laughs> you know, yeah it off. like apparently apparently abraham doesn't have any weak events so <laughs> no that's not true that's not true it's obviously my 1500
1: that's uh, one of my weakest events yeah well that and one the last lost in the training right yeah yeah the last event last event the 10th event yeah, the one you kind of you're always going into the cap and thinking, okay, maybe I can do 10, nine, nine good events. So I don't have to run my ass at <laughs> 1, right. 1500, but that never happens.
0: 2,000,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh. So it's uh, obviously my 1500, unfortunately. So how do they train you for that? Just in in general, is it just like every once in a while, they're gonna throw in an, an 800 or a, a, you know, how do you guys attack that? Yeah.
1: Well, I do actually have some, uh, Started with doing more uh, more cardio, like two times a week after weightlifting, uh, which had gone very well. Uh, actually, when I had this stretch fracture, I ran in a in a what do you call it uh, treadmill, mm-hmm. where you kind of was lifted up so you don't run with your full body weight, and You're actually only did ground, yeah. yeah right, and only did cardio. So that's it's not good or not fun to be injured, but I've learned a being injured and trained on things that make me weak and tried to improve them. So my core, my condition,
0: my, yeah, I tried to improve what's my weakest points. So, uh, yeah. I've heard that about the the 1500, you know, it's the 800 for the, the heptathletes and the Mm. 1500 for, for the decathletes. So I was often, I wondered about that because it just seems like everybody it's just like the almost yeah. like great secret everybody just pushes that off and just goes okay well we're just going to tough it out you know when we get there like yeah. never, never hear of any great strategies and then like sometimes some people are just gassing and dying and then other times they're like oh they just pr'd by you know 10 seconds yeah, yeah okay yeah yeah Good time to do that you know at any one of those olympics but so what is it going to take for for you to get in into the olympics how much more do you have to improve point-wise um I, I
1: think the most important thing is not like oh i have to learn run 10 on hundred. i have to do yeah eight meters in long jump it's more about getting improvement every year mm-hmm. being consistently better at every event because with the decathlon it's it's very difficult to get like crazy prs you can't do one very good event Getty, yeah and, then re- awesome. and rely on, on that on the other eight events right right, right. Uh, you have to be significantly better on all the events you don't need to have a pr but close to a pr in almost every event
2: right
1: and i think that's going to be key for for uh, the coming upcoming years to have being able to push my prs so my results can be just on the pr so i will get a it's going in the end because it's like, right. yeah, I don't have to do anything crazy. I yeah,
2: just have, can to, have to break the world for Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I
1: don't have, Yeah. So it's not the, very difficult, but it's yet so difficult.
0: <laughs> is it like 8,000 points or what is, what is the total? I know there's got to be a number somewhere.
1: Uh, In the, the Olympic trials, it's, I think it's
2: 8,003 maybe. Uh huh.
1: That's at least the world's is eight eight thousand three hundred three hundred fifty or something. If you took all your PR
0: and put them all the way across, what would you have? Oh, I can check actually. Like you said, it's hard to have your best day where you PR at everything. But if if you were to do that, what was it? What's the number we're looking at?
2: I actually have don't have it written down uh let's see
1: it would be 7907 from last year
0: okay
2: yeah that's
1: getting up so there. so it's yeah. getting up there and obviously this is now so it's looking very promising
0: awesome well hey we got you you got recovered from injury so yeah. my question is, how do we get you to become an international icon like uh, Usain Bolt? You're <laughs> talking about Abraham Vogelsang from Norway.
1: Well, it's uh, I think it's uh, It's cool. It's uh, It's sad that we've lost uh, such a good and uh, cool idol as uh, Bolt, because I feel like he was the guy that made people that isn't particularly interested in track and field watched it. And right. I remember like him running in Beijing and I was like, I could have been in Beijing after that. I was okay. celebrating so much. And I didn't even know the guy. Right. And the charisma, the talent, he was so fun and he made everybody confident around him. So oh, right. it's a shame that we lost in, and I'm hopefully, I hope there will be a new icon like that in, in the future, because I could be, bring in more viewers and more
0: yeah, interest for the sport. More attention, more interest, absolutely. Well, there's, uh, you know, you've got the interesting thing, too, is there, it seems like you guys are on TV so much more. Like, I, yeah, uh, my, my senior year at UCLA was 1986, and they just started a network called Prime Network, or Prime Ticket.
2: Mm.
0: And Prime Ticket told us that they were going to film two of our meets against Cal, a dual meet against Cal, and a dual meet mm. against USC so yeah. the cameras came out and everybody set up and we got all excited and they were filming everything and we're watching during the meet we won both meets we beat cal oh. in the rain and it was like okay this is great and we sat down because they go we're going to show it tonight okay so I yeah. great so we sit down and watch and they didn't do it they didn't show any of the field events they basically the oh cameras, yeah the cameras were That's on typical. the running events and that was it yeah so they show you know, the 100 and the 200 and boom. And it was done and everything yeah. was quick. And then it was like they showed every lap of the men's 10,000. So yeah. Right. Three laps. They're talking about whatever they were talking about. And then we'd be looking in the background. We're like, hey, look, there, there's a high jumper mm-hmm. running back over there. And, and then yeah. the camera would go somewhere else. We're like, oh, we don't get to see it. So mm-hmm. and I I'd watch you guys and then and I see this, you know, I see the name and I see what the height is and, and all this other stuff. I'm like, oh, God, this is great, you know so uh i'm i'm looking forward to seeing you so is your career best in the high jump still at uh 205 are we ready for something Uh, 208 208 now yeah uh, at nationals uh, last year awesome awesome well um i need to get more video of you number one because i'm fascinated (laughs) with the the knee drive i don't know how strong your hip flexors are but i'm i'm a huge uh knee drive and knee ride guy um i yeah the most my uh, previous coach was also that yeah i my coach my high school coach you we used to just jump up and down the bleachers all yeah leg, and i was a double arm pump guy you know uh, yeah um but i've i've been studying the high jump you know for longer now than i actually competed in it so um <laughs> i and i have become convinced no matter what style you know a single armor uh, Fosbury reverse armor, double mm. arm, whatever the mm. knee drive up and across, uh, is, yeah. huge. you know, it's one of the biggest technical parts, you know, it's tied to your lean, but for the most part, you really got to teach people. And I think it's unique. I keep saying maybe a javelin thrower might cross yeah. the knee over the midline, but you know, all the other events that knee goes straight ahead, mm. you know, pole vault. Yeah, numb, that's numb. a good yeah. Well, in the high jump is the only one where you go, Hey, we got to twist your back to the bar. So you got to drive it across the opposite shoulder. Right. So it's like, yeah. Okay. But I, you know, when I see one that's, that's that outrageous, I mean, I literally, mm. I saw with what you said, it was two hundred four, or I go two hundred five. That's like six, eight and three quarters. I go, five well, <laughs> is just monsters. So, yeah. you know, I've been working a lot um, with my jumpers on just hip flexor strength, you know, doing, I call them auxiliaries because, you know, auxiliary strength, meaning, I don't know, not extra or whatever, but, you know, most people cover their lifting with the squats, you know, hang cleans, cleans, snatch, you know, deadlifts. Everybody hits those, you know, one way or another. But you don't always find maybe the attention being, you know, given to. I've started working on trying to get my jumpers to drive their arms up over their head. You know, so I'm like, I'm ah, strengthen these muscles through here so that they really get elevated. I'm like, if you're going to run up and jump and, you know, you see these basketball players that jump ginormously high, I'm like, how are they doing that? You never see guys run up and go like this, mm. you know, tiny little arms. I'm like, No, they jump up and then they leave those arms up and they go grab stuff, you know? So I'm like, let's jump up there as high as we can, and then we can do something with our arms once we're in the air, you know? So we've been attacking the... The shoulders, anterior delt, you know, deltoids, as far as getting your arms up, and then I want to strengthen my lats so I can pull them back down, you know, while I'm in the mm. air. And then I, I've been working that sequence that you do with that great uh, knee drive, and then the, you know, reversing it, popping that hip back down. So mm. I keep mm. telling people, hey, that knee drive is important. Get that hip flexor strong, but then we got to take it the other way, and strengthen up your glute, you know. So yeah, you can important. Pop that hip on. I did a lot leg. of. Yeah awesome
1: yeah i did a, I did a lot of uh, that kind of training with my when i was po- focusing more on high jump and long jump mm-hmm. uh with the hip flexes glutes getting those them strong and i think that's i think core is also very important in high jump even yeah. though i'm not a technique technical genius but i think that's important <laughs>
0: i've been trying to do stuff where you're resisting you know how some mm. go right into the bar so yeah are running fast but then I always go is it just that their core is weak like why do they bail so early yeah. sometimes right instead of hitting vertical and going up yeah. and like just keeping that core tight like you're saying so mm. we're I'm trying to do more both side to side core because I think yeah yes everybody yeah, does this. Everybody yeah does this. And those like but it's like yeah the twisting and the just leaning you know sideways yeah. like, that power to resist. I I use the analogy of a black hole in the middle of the high jump pit because I go as you run at the bar, it seems like Mm. there's so much energy that's going basically the wrong direction. You know, Mm. the speed is important, but the faster you're going, the more likely you are to bail unless you can channel that force into upward lift, right? With your knee drive and the arm drive and all that other stuff, we're kind of redirecting it as it's going up. So I'm like, hey, that that black hole is basically all set to win you know it's yeah you always end up in the pit you know you always end up going I I have yet to coach a jumper who has managed to jump back towards (laughs) nobody's you know it just just unless you radically slow down you know yeah then you can do it but if you're if you're accelerating through you get pulled over by the black hole anyway so that's um, the thing yeah. but it's running
1: the curve that might be difficult for for some mm-hmm. especially me i do struggle a bit because yeah hitting the curve it's like i think it's like it's it's so little i can make it feel so put it off right. so when you're when you're running the curve and trying to take off without going too much into the bar right uh it's something i do work a lot
0: with yeah well, there's a. I'll send you a couple of of drills that I've I've come up with. Uh, yeah, that would be fantastic. That uh, you know, uh, Doug Nordquist is a, a friend of mine that I listen to, whenever I get a chance because he was in the Olympic Games in '84. He jumped uh, yeah. to two thirty something. Two, he jumped seven six, or he jumped in the trials. I can't remember the heights. I'm so bad at all the the different ones. I know he jumped seven seven at one point in seven, six, he came in fifth in 84. He'll, oh. he'll probably correct me, he'll send me a text or something, <laughs> you messed it all up. But um, he was one of the most outrageous curve runners that I've ever seen Yeah. person. He was, you know, 6'5", about 160 pounds and super fast. And just, you know, when he ran his curve, he yeah. would move over to like a 45 degree angle. And he oh. did end up jumping seven, eight and three quarters, which is see I, I should know the numbers, 230 236 something like yeah, that. That's crazy. He was uh you know just outrageous so whenever i am showing something if if i get a chance sometimes i might send him the video and say how does this <laughs> look to you cuz mm-hmm. uh, you know he's he's critical without being you know mean about it he's just like cuz he was so good yeah. at i've never seen anybody run a curve like Doug did but um yeah so negotiating the curve is is huge um and like i said you're uh one of the disadvantages you might have you look like you're you're pretty you know big big Mm. so you know that the upper body weight as you're going fast that tends to get pulled you know so you gotta be even better at uh running on the curve but uh yeah there's a few a few tricks in there for sure i i was man in high school i didn't have a curve i mean i was like I think my my width was about 20 feet wide, which, whatever Thank that you. is, meters. I don't know, like six meters. Yeah. I was like really wide. So, huh. not much of a curve, just kind of flat. Yeah, that's. And uh, yeah. when I got to UCLA, they're like, what are you doing out there? <laughs> yeah. so come over here, you know, and run tighter and run this curve. Yeah. And, I mean, it was two years of like, I had no idea what to do with that thing, you know. So, mm. running curves is, yeah, it's, you, you learn it eventually. <laughs> but yeah, but
1: I think that's the thing that you can see when you see a proper high jumper like Parsim, oh. or someone in olymp or Olympics or World Championships. You it's ridiculous how fast they run in the curve. Oh my god! You would god. think it was because it's yeah. like it's seeing on the television. It's like oh, they're high jumpers. It's not like hundred meters. But if you see it on, <laughs> for me, yeah. I've seen it in the Bishop Games. You would think they were a hundred meters runner. They run so fast into the curve. Yep. And they take off like yeah many meters away from the bar it's uh, oh my
0: gosh yeah sheen is a mile out i have never seen anybody take off so far out and the yeah thing for me working with both some of the athletes and and then some of my younger you know i call them clients and athletes at, at the high mm. school but you know when they're first starting i'm like okay the number one enemy to great high jumping is being too close to the bar by far yeah because it just teaches you so many bad habits i mean you don't realize when they're right next to the bar what that does to you i'm like number one Mm. right as you're starting to drive your knee up and your arms up your brain is going you're too close so Mm. it'll shut you down it'll stop you from getting your arms all the way up and you'll start to drop them you won't bring the knee all the way up and you'll start to drop that you'll throw your head back earlier because you have to you you're out of time almost before you've left the ground you're out of time so i'm like you know, it's it's easy to say to those people, you got to move farther out. But if you watch them when you move them farther out, they come running up and then they won't pull the trigger. They won't jump. Yeah, right. Because their brain. You, it's is like a out. mental block. Yeah. Now I'm too far away. I'm never gonna make it in there. I'm like, come on. You, I'll tell them. You, what are you like a 17 foot long jumper? They go, yeah. I go, you're four feet away. You're gonna get in there. Just trust me. Yeah. You know, and it's like, man. It, Getting them over that is so difficult, but uh, like you said, I, I would like to be able to take them and transport them to one of these meets and just go. When you see how far out away from the bar they are, and like you said, how fast they're running, and when they launch into the area, like you, you have no problem figuring out that they're you know they're going to get there. So, yeah, number one, knee drive. Number two, don't be too close to the bar. Uh, yeah, when I, definitely. Bugaboos as a coach, it's like. Mm. i'm telling you <laughs> but it, yeah it slows the event back. but it's you know yeah. when you, and like, out, uh, you can finish everything
2: and it's like something
1: that is a bad habit to habit to have uh being too close because yeah. when you're getting a bit further out it's yeah it's just a mental block it's you have to kind of then you have to work again to not right. feel so
0: far out and sometimes it's just a super gradual change it depends on the athlete Are you just keep nudging slowly 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 and it yeah. like finally comes out and other times you can you know try to make the yeah. switch you know i don't know yeah.
1: people are different yeah <laughs> tried
0: everything you know i've got i've got a couple tricks that i found i had one athlete who was who was jumping about his best was around two meters probably like 195 and mm. you know at the big meets he, he didn't have the success that he wanted and Mm. i would i tried to recruit him for a couple years and i finally told him jack i'm like i've got to get you farther away from the bar and his senior Mm. year in high school we we started working together started in the summer so we had almost a year to get ready for Mm. senior year at the state meet and you want to talk about a battle about getting somebody farther away from the bar (laughs) I'm i'm not sure that i actually totally succeeded but we yeah. succeeded enough to where he jumped two ten or two o nine, jumped six ten, whatever that is. Two ten is six ten and three quarters, so it was it was probably two o eight or two o nine, whatever comes closest to six ten. And yeah. uh, even then, I remember watching the film later, going, you know, <laughs> if, I, if I could get him a yeah. little further out and get him to wait just a little bit longer, you know. But it's it, uh, it is a it is a struggle. For some people but, did, but did you say uh do you train for a whole year don't you have an indoor season uh see that's the weird thing about being out here we get we got to get you over here abraham because um yeah there is no indoor season if you come out oh. here to, to california it's two yeah. now oh, sorry obviously. There's, <laughs> yeah. no need for, there's no need for an indoor training facility because the sun shines uh-huh. like 330 days a year so you know we when it does rain we go inside and for the day, probably or, not very often, or it's just not that often. And yeah. you know, the next day, it's all dry, you know, because California is basically a desert. So you know, <laughs> yeah. even if you do get rain, it gets absorbed so fast, and then it's just back to normal. So if you're in the uh, on the West Coast, if you go up north to Seattle, now you've got yeah, been there, and they've got a lot of indoor facilities up there because it rains so much that they're more likely to rain than not so they, they yeah do that and then in the midwest it gets really cold you know midwest and yeah Canada. so past mm. a certain range yeah that's that stuff comes yeah. in. i've competed at two indoor meets my entire life and i hated both of them because oh just, <laughs> we just weren't prepared for them you know there was a wood surface which with your spikes oh, okay were, it was yeah. just awkward yeah. spikes were digging into wood and i, I hated it I, two different times yeah. I to go there and i was just like you know i want to go to an indoor meet where they have you know the fast surface and the you know the rubberized yeah. with the maybe even wood underneath that but you know for a little springboard effect but yeah we just out here it's it's a different animal so yeah
1: yeah we definitely have that over here in norway it's mostly it's not mostly rain but it's not very good weather it's like oh well that be for you guys uh, at least 10 degrees, 20 degrees right. in the summer.
2: Oh, yeah. So
1: we have so we have uh we have indoor season, which is often very good. We have good stadiums. Never never jumped in the wooden surface before. So
0: <laughs> oh man. awful. I gotta I, I keep wanting this is is so great that we're getting a chance to talk. Uh again, we're talking with Abraham Vogelsang from Norway, uh the slash high jumper, his favorite event, um, the one that I saw but, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to catch more stuff on your feed with all your other events. But, um, we're talking with him about training over in, in the darker, uh, darker, colder places and, uh, <laughs> got, uh, one athlete, um, Barbara Pachoka from, uh, Canada. And she mm. told me that, uh, in the times that she, before she was training, she was, uh, cross-country skiing. <laughs> everywhere, oh, yeah. It was it's snowing up there, you know. And my brain is like, "You do what now? Cross country I'm like, I, "That's that's like her way of getting around, you know." So it's like, "Yeah." I'm like, so you're snowed in and you go cross country skiing. I'm like, "That's not usually <laughs> off season training that I would pick for the high jump, but you know, you got to do what you got to yeah,
2: do. So.
1: You got to do what you got to do." Yeah, it's crazy in Norway. It's like my father can in the winter go skiing to his job, for instance. Right? So it's like. You never know, <laughs>
0: you never right. know. That's awesome. Well, listen, Abraham, I've, I've taken up a bunch of your time. I'm, I'm really appreciative of the fact that uh, when I reached out to you that you were willing to uh, work with me. Um, we Honestly, had a lot of a technical runner. difficulties. I think we we actually were trying to do this a couple months ago, um, but Abraham's been patient with us and uh, we, we got this done on a Saturday. I'm getting ready to head off to um, a couple of track meets we have today. Uh, The High schoolers are competing at uh, one of their big meets and then uh, one of my college kids is is jumping um, and uh, Barbara is jumping also at this they call it Mm. a chance meet so we got to get get rolling along but um, let's stay in touch young man yeah let's do that a big fan of yours I can't wait to hear how you do at the this meet the Nordic Championships and um, obviously the world's coming after that. And uh send me anything and everything you want me to post, you know, videos of you jumping. I'd love to to see. I like I said, I'm that guy that wants to peek behind the curtain, you know, like yeah, that's very doing what are they important. doing, yeah. are they doing in other countries? You know, how are they training these athletes <laughs> that are so awesome? You know, I want to know so I can use it on my kids. So that's nice.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. It's uh
0: been a honor all right sir looking forward yeah we're looking forward to great things thanks for your time yeah good luck all right you too bud bye bye